Disclaimer. The views, information, or opinions discussed in this UCC podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the UCLA University Catholic Center and its staff. If you have any questions or comments concerning the information, leave a comment below or email us at catholicconvos at gmail.com. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious God, you are the God of our ancestors of many nations. You have delivered your people out of bondage, and though many times they have fallen, you have sent your only Son to them to redeem the world. In a world where we are still falling, either clinging on to you or letting you pass through our fingertips, help us to hold you tightly and to embrace you. For it is in your arms, in you, that we may find salvation and peace to calm the raging storms in our hearts and in our minds. In a world that is falling apart, help us to be the bridge that unites your children, to embrace them with the love that all people deserve. Help us to grow in empathy and understanding always. May you continue to bless us with your many wonders, seen and unseen. In your most holy name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, the verse I chose is from Matthew chapter 28, and it's verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even till even to the end of the age. And basically, I chose this verse because I think it's fitting when talking about the history of the church and just, like, everything. It has, like, there's been a very long history and some good parts, some not good parts. And I think it's important to remember that Jesus is promising to always be with his disciples and protect and guide the church. So even when the church seems to be failing or there's a lot of conflict going on, we can rest assured that Jesus is in is sovereign over his church. back to another episode of the UCC pod. Woo! This is, I don't know which episode this is, honestly, but I know it is with a very, very, very special friend. I am here with one of my oldest friends in terms of we've known each other since for way too long. We've known each other for, is it 15 years? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We've known each other since like way back when, when we were still in, um, when I was in kindergarten and you were not in kindergarten yet. Actually, I probably knew you when I was in first grade and you were in kindergarten, something like that. So it's been a long, long friendship. So I value the friendship that we have, the bond we have, the conversations we've had, and just overall the big brainness of this person. Um, She is an amazing historian i do believe that she's going to tackle the world with whatever 
analytical insight that she just um, chooses to focus in on. I think that there's so many, there's so, <laughs> I will tell you, I, I, I do remember all the debates that we've had, all the <laughs> high IQ conversations that we've had, and you just like completely like demolishing me, but I don't, I don't ever want to admit it because of, of pride, but no, I am. Um, you are very, very intelligent, and I'm very grateful that you have taken the time out of your day to just wanting to be here on the pod, just to talk to me and to talk to the rest of our audience. You are such an amazing person, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself. So, Kateri, would you like to introduce yourself to the rest yes. of the pod? Yes, go ahead. Thank you for that introduction, and I look forward to our conversation as we have both just such big brains, I think. It should be a great episode. Uh-huh. And my introduction is my name is Kateri, and I'm an incoming third year at UCLA. And uh, my major is history, and but I've also taken a lot of classes in Korean language. And eventually, I'm hoping to go into law school, maybe, or maybe becoming a teacher. Let's go. So that's what I'm interested in. And yeah, I've been Catholic basically my whole life, and I have just been recently like getting more into, because of my major, like church history, and just like thinking more about theology and just like the meaning behind a lot of the stuff we do. What, what specific class was there at UCLA that you've taken that made you really want to think about church history, or was it just... I guess, the amalgamation of classes that you've had over over time? Um, well, specifically, the class that made me think about it was History 1B <laughs> with Professor McClendon. Muriel, yeah, let's go! I love her so much. iconic class. Oh my gosh. Honestly, like, it was really interesting because it was just, like, such chaotic energy coming from the Catholic Church. Like, you never knew what was going to happen. <laughs> You never knew what kind of foolery was going to happen next, and I found that very interesting. But there was also, like, of course, like, besides all the clownery, there was, like, obviously, like, a lot of great saints and, like, a lot of important religious reforms happening and intellectual movements. So I think that made me interested in it, especially because coming from, like, a Catholic education, I'd always had, like, church history or religion or knowledge about Catholicism come from... A Catholic point of view and I think it's really interesting to like see it from a s- extremely secular point of view and like as a historical as a historian and like analyzing what is the effect of these movements of the of faith on like the outside world and so that made me really interested especially because I feel like there was a lot of debate especially in my discussion like is the church a good thing? Is religion as a whole, is it a good thing for society? Is it a bad thing for society? Like, we had a ton of, like, really heated debates about this in my class. <laughs> so that just made me think a lot about, like, the role of religion and especially Catholicism in societies and just how important it's been and uh, the good it's done, but also the bad it's done. Yeah, I think it's really important to see the Catholic Church in the different lenses because if we're all bottled up into, like, that one one lens right the catholic education that we both we both had although we did go to different high schools you went to our sister school louisville high school go lions wait was it the lions 
Royals. Frick. Okay. <laughs> Go Royals. <laughs> My bad. Um, after St. Louis. After St. Louis, yes. How could I forget? Ugh, I actually Shame forgot all you. of that. I'm sorry. I didn't take European history until I had it with Mac- uh, Professor McClendon. So, like, I still... Wait, was it Louis the 13th? 16. No, it was Louis the Ninth. Louis the Thirteenth was famous for his life of philandering and drinking. Uh, okay, well, I'm I am so bad at European history, but we're gonna take that together. We're taking that together, yeah, right? Yeah, we're gonna take it with Teo, and we're gonna become experts on European history. Yes, let's go. He already uploaded the syllabus. What a what a dude. He uploaded the readings and the syllabus. Like all he has to do now is upload the lectures. Yeah, when. I took his class last quarter. He already had all the lectures because he was using them from 2018. So like on the first day of class, all the lectures were up, all the assignments were up, everything was up, and he was just ready to go. And he was actually upset. He was like, I'm so upset that I don't get to interact with you guys or like create any new assignments. Oh my god. Even though he did, he did create one, which is like, write about the coronavirus. <laughs> and that, I, w- I actually did not do that prompt because... I was like, well, what does he want us to write about? He's like, write about how the coronavirus has affected you in 10 pages and how it's affected your family and your community. And But then he also was like, I'll be like reading it very critically. So you have to like write something very good. Oh, my God. So I was like, no, I'm just going to write about Spain. Like, I can't do this. (laughs) Wait, it it was the um, the class that you had was the um, something about it was about. It was about like that area, right? Spain and um, gold, something like that. I totally forgot. It was called the Age of Silver: A History of Spain and Portugal. <sighs> I am a fake history minor at UCLA. Apparently, I You're do a not fake know. Teo Stan. Stop. Okay, I you had to know all of his works. Oh my gosh. Okay, so so so. Okay, but you did you take history twenty with him? Did you take History 20 with him where he talked Wait, about the Book of Gilgamesh? World History. Oh, see, you're a fake Teo Stan. It was World History. But they didn't offer to... it. It was spring. Spring 2018. Oh, yeah. You weren't here. I Ha-ha. wasn't there. Ha-ha. We, I had it. It was a really fun time. He said he was going to retire. Like he, he said, like, this is going to be my last class at UCLA. And here we are now still taking his class in the year of our Lord 2020. Uh, and he's still such a savage. Did you know that he used to be, um, he used to be a priest? Or, like, he, no, he wanted to be a priest. He wanted to be a priest, yes. And then he, uh, went to college. Yeah, he has a lot of thoughts. Yeah, it's, uh, Teo's a, Teo's a really awesome man. He, um, and if, if, it, to anybody who is lost currently right now in the podcast, uh, Teo, Ru- Teo Philo Ruiz is a legendary professor at UCLA. He's a history professor that has a lot of things. I think his specialty is with um, talking about European history in terms of, I think it was witchcraft, right? Witchcraft was one of the things that he specializes in, but he talked a lot about like medieval European history. That's his specialty. Mm-hmm. But I took it when he was teaching world history in general. So that's where I got into like the book, The Epic of Gilgamesh, which then he also said, you know, this book is older than the Bible. And then that's how he started his anti-religion thing, which is, you know, he has his, yes, he has um, rights to his own thoughts, but man, um, as a professor and as an educator, he cares so much about his students. I really wish that I could have had him in person for for the last time, but oh my gosh, yeah, he's such a he's such a dude. I love him. He's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, he sends us emails with random poetry in it. 
I know, he's just so... Did you know he wrote my letter of rec for a program, that, but I didn't even get in? But he, he did. I was like, wow. Amazing. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a great dude. But anyways, um, <laughs> talking about our <laughs> Catholic education, because I think that's where we left off. Um, uh-huh. We, I think it's a, it is definitely important that we take a look at different different views right like so like Teo's views and that mm-hmm. are basically very much different from the catholic teachers that we've had growing up perhaps and even those catholic teachers are have different representations of the catholic church as well but they have more of a catholic paradigm um and i think it's it's super important to just try to try to see the good and the not so good of the actions that people of the catholic church takes so yeah, I'm really glad that you are embarking on this on this path. What's been one of the things that you've found to be quite intriguing that you didn't know, grow uh, like um in your Catholic like or like your theology or religion classes in high school, but you found out through like the university classes here. I think that one thing that st- stuck with me a lot was just like. I always imagine, like, Catholicism as, like, okay, you have the seven sacraments, and you have, this is the way the Mass goes, and this is all this stuff, and I always thought of it as very, like, rigid and set in stone, like, this is the way it's been done for, since Jesus, basically, but I learned a lot, like, it was a really evolving process, like, they added sacraments, and they took some out, and then they, like, changed the order of the Mass, and even as recent as the Vatican too, like, they changed a lot of stuff. So I think that it's interesting to kind of look back and see, like, we think, and of course there's a lot of similarities between, like, what we do and what happened in the days of Jesus, but the fact that it, there was a very long evolutionary process of changing and adding things and taking things out to get, like, the Mass that we have today. Yeah, I think that's very that's very fascinating, and I do know that sometimes people would like to say, "Oh, the old way it's like the best way to do things, right? Pre Nobis Ordo, pre <laughs> Vatican II is like the best way to be really embedded embedded in our faith." But I think it is really fascinating to see how the way how we celebrate, the way that we go to mass changes. And, you know, I don't know if that's a, if that's a good thing or, or, or a bad thing, but I do love the fact that we are able to celebrate in different languages. I know I've talked about that many, many times in the pod, so I, 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 I for, forgive me for sounding like a broken record, but again, I think it's so beautiful to just hear the Mass in the, in the different ways, the different styles. I mean, to hear it in Indonesian, in Korean, right? That must have been, that's, that's super awesome for me. And... I think it also shows how even in evolution there's still a consistency of the message of the dogma and that's because of the magisterium who although is the teaching authority of the church I do believe is really really trying to keep it to um, its central core values which is important Um, Mm -hmm. I guess it's like for me the question I'm always asking is when is change too far because I just like how we should think of ourselves as Catholic, we shouldn't conform to the world, but you know, be the saints of this world. And that kind of doesn't mean confirmation, but at the same sense, I think we do have to listen 
to what society says i don't know and some not 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 to take what society says but to listen to what is really going on in the minds and hearts of people currently because that's where true that's where evangel evangelization is i believe right if you want to help somebody out you want to help a friend out first right no one's going to want to help out a stranger nobody wants to be helped by a stranger so I think it's like the whole kind of friendship first, but I don't know. What are what are I know I said a lot, but what are what are your thoughts on the whole shebang? Yeah, I definitely agree. Like it is a delicate balance between you don't want to like conform to society or to like because you want it purely because you want to be accepted by society because that's not what the gospel is about. But I do think there is value in if we're like isolated in our own little conservative Catholic bubble and we don't know anything of what's going on in the outside world like that's only a disservice to catholicism i feel like because you have to meet people where they where they're at and approach them in a way that's relatable to them and make sort of make the gospel more relatable and more approachable to people who don't have much experience with it or have negative first impressions so i think and like that does follow the example of jesus like he went out and talked to all sorts of people, people that weren't Jewish, like people on the outskirts of society. And like he ate dinner with tax collectors and prostitutes, but he never, he wasn't conforming to society. He was just um, loving these people and getting to know these people and just like bringing the gospel to them where they're at. Yeah, what Alondra said in episode 13 was that, you know, in social justice and the way we perceive things in Catholicism is such a hot and heavy debate, but it shouldn't be because social justice is loving somebody as they should. We are called to love, love your neighbor, right? Which is super hard because it's the same thing as a, okay. I think it's the same thing as a relationship. Hear me out. Hear me out. So you know how you hear about the phrase of like, you love like the idea of somebody but you don't actually love the person. And that's how, mm-hmm. you know, there's like, um, kind of like the tensions in, in, a, in a relationship and all that stuff. Sometimes I fear that we are loving the idea or the potentiation of a person rather than loving the person as who they are, right? Mm-hmm. I think in a way we have this saviorism kind of complex which overrides ev- our evangelists. I think that when we're trying to be a person's savior, this is probably a hot take, I think we're doing such a disservice to them, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to control somebody's lifestyle is not the way to go. But reaching out to them as friends, first and foremost, understanding them, and then you yourself being a role model, right? People want to want to always want to be around positive energy. So be that positive energy. People want to see a good Christian person, right? So be that good Christian person. Don't dictate what they have to do, right? Because I don't know. That's just my thoughts. What are what are yours? Yeah, I definitely agree with that, like a hundred percent. And also, it kind of reminds me of like something that I heard recently, which is that when we were talking about evangelism, is that if 
we like convert someone or like someone close to us converts to Catholicism or Christianity because of us, that wasn't because of us. That was because of God. We don't get any of the credit for that. They would, their heart would not change unless the Lord changed their heart in that moment. So while we, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be out there evangelizing because that is what we're called by God to do. But that isn't like something that we can take credit for, like all the glory for all the glory. And also if we fail, all of that comes from God and it's not of our own abilities that that happens. And everything that we do is should be for God's will (laughs) and God's Mm -hmm. will alone. We get so egotistical as a person, and maybe that's the reflection of the society we have, right? Individualism instead of um, cooperative, um, cooperative actions. And so, I, I I think that you 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 you've like had such a truth bomb dropped on us. So I really really thank you for that. It's yeah, everything's th- by God. Everything is through God. I'm also wondering. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but looking at the other Christian denominations, we could take stuff from them, ideas from them, the way that they handle things, right? I think for me, the reason why I am a Catholic, first and foremost, then going to another sect of Christianity, which is still, they're still beautiful, but I think that there's a fuller truth to Catholicism that other sects of uh, uh, Christian- uh, Christianity doesn't have. But, man, they do such a good job with understanding the personal relationship one has with Jesus, it seems like. So well, I wanted to talk about, like, do you have any experiences with that? And what do you feel like, as a Catholic community, we can learn from other Christian denominations? I do have experience with other denominations because I attend a Catholic church. Like, I've also been to other denominations, churches, and experienced what their services are like and how the similarities and the differences. And I definitely think that one thing that we could learn as the Catholic church is I feel like reaching out more to the younger generations Hmm. because I feel like in what Protestant circles do a lot better is they have activities and like Bible studies and they have a lot more um, effort specifically dedicated to reaching out to young people and getting them involved in the church and like excited about the gospel. And I think that what Catholicism, I guess the equivalent they're kind of trying to have is confirmation. But I feel like that, I don't know, I feel like that kind of gets turned into sort of like a something that your parents send you to like you're gonna get confirmed and it's not really you're not there because you want to learn more because you like are on fire for the lord and i think that just like having more opportunities for fellowship specifically for younger people and that would make them feel like they're more involved in the church they have more of a say than if thinking oh like the older people in the church are in charge and we don't necessarily have a say or like we aren't important yeah, no, facts. I think that one of the organizations that's doing their best to combat that is Life Teen. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that we didn't have a Life Teen in St. Bridget's. <laughs> um, but Life Teen is such an amazing organization. I was talking with with Steven. He was from episode 15. He um, talked about his experiences as a Life Teen missionary. 
and the summer missions that they've had and the the summer retreats that missionaries the life team missionaries had where they all came together all wanting to be there and celebrating the lord and from an outside point of view there's definitely it could seem very much Spartanism, but it's with the intent i feel like with everything there has to be intent with it right when they do praise and worship it's all for the lord their heart is with the blessed sacrament that is up there on the altar right they're praying and the taboo stuff is like sometimes they we use like different songs to help us pray right but if our intent is truly for the lord then i think that that's such a beautiful message and i and i do wish that it was more available things like life team it's more available to different churches especially churches that are from a more difficult socioeconomic background um mm-hmm. and so i think that for for us growing into a parish that is that is still struggling um today it was a it was quite a quite a different experience um <laughs> what do you remember most about the saint bridget days um like the school or the church both <laughs> um i just have like really vivid memories of like setting up and like taking down all the stuff for choir and like having to carry out like the crates of books oh my gosh and like singing the same like five songs every week those <laughs> <laughs> is the uh... Those is amazing. Mr. Marcos Mendoza is a is an amazing person, but yeah, sometimes it it did feel like we were singing five songs every week. Like the same songs. It was amazing. Yeah. What else did you remember from um those SBS days? Hmm. There's just a lot. There's a lot in those the nine years to think about. Fall festival, um, academic yeah. decathlon. Yeah, I I love that. Um, I remember, like, we used to have to go to Mass every Friday, <laughs> and, like, if you came, I, I, like, it went back and forth, sometimes at the end, it was at the end of the day, sometimes at the beginning, and, like, at the beginning, if you came in late, there was, like, the row of shame, that, like, there was, like, a row in the back of the church that was saved for people that came in late, and you had to sit there, and then, you know how, when there's communion, it goes, like, back to front, so, like, whenever, you would be the first to go up to communion, like, and the, everyone would be, like, staring at you, and the teachers would be, like, glaring at you as you, like, walked down the aisle, and it was so bizarre. I, I remember being in the row of shame, like, one time, and I was like, man, this is a big feels bad, because, I came I came straight from from public school, right? So for me it's just like, ah, you know what? It's, it's like that. Mass? I morning mass at 8 a.m.? No, I do 6:30 a.m. I don't I don't do this kind of stuff, but then my goodness, yeah. I I I was late one time just like slightly. I was just slightly late. Like someone took my buddy from me. And so I was like, "Wait, where did my buddy go?" And they're like, oh, "No, no, no, you're you're just you're late. I was like, I was literally one or two minutes late. Slack, please, just like cut me some slack. But uh, I, I wasn't cut some slack, and then uh, people flame me for that. But yeah, those good old St. Bridget's days. It's yeah, I definitely hope it is still going well. Uh, yeah, your your sister's still in there, right? Mm-hmm. How They're are doing they enjoying online learning? How are how are they how are they feeling about SBS online learning? Well. Um, I would say, from my knowledge, it's going pretty well. 
it was hard because my siblings hate waking up, so <laughs> my one of my siblings wanted to write, like, for a paragraph of the first day of school that she felt very angry, but I don't think that ended up happening, and then it's also hilarious because on Friday they have Family Friday, which means they don't have any classes, but their one job is they have to live stream the mass from SBS at 8 a.m., <laughs> but the teachers take attendance of who is watching, and it's part of their religion grade. Which is so, but then, uh, the last couple of times, there's only been, like, literally seven people watching out of the whole school, so I don't really know what's going on, but and... it's pretty funny, because my mom, like, at, like, um, puts it on the TV, and she, like, puts it on full volume, so, like, every 8 a.m., well, last quarter, I actually had a class at Friday at 8 a.m., and in my 8 a.m. class, like, the entire class could hear, there was, like, there was, like, um, like, singing and, like, chanting, and, like, <laughs> the priest, he's, like, very dynamic, he's, like, and God is calling you to do this, and, like, you could hear that in my Zoom class, and I'm, like, what are they, do they think there's, like, some sort of, like, um, evangelical convention in my house, like, people must be so confused. Oh, my gosh. Did, is it Father Carlos Nava still? Or is um, it no, it's actually, we have a new priest, his name is Father Joseph. This whole time, I've been so much away from St. Bruce. I need to go back. Oh, well, actually, Father Nava's still there, but he mostly does the Spanish masses. And okay. Father Joseph does the um, English. Oh my gosh. <laughs> a low key evangelical pastor, St. Bruce just has. Uh, it's, that's, just, that's such. That's so on brand, though. Let's be honest. That's so. Yeah. Yeah. St. Bridget's. I mean, the, the most on brand thing about St. Bridget's is like the priest that we have. Like, we switch out priests every two years and all that stuff. But, uh. Hey, uh, that's not happening anymore, right? Yep, they're pretty like. I feel I feel like they're pretty solid, like over there right now. Lamau, yes, yes, yes. That is good stuff. Yeah, it, it was. It's pretty. It, it was pretty interesting just to, like, talk about this kind of stuff with you. Just because, like, my gosh, we've known each other for for so long, and we know too much about each other. But I think that is that that is one of the great things about friendships that that lasts the i was about to say sands of time but that that actually made no sense but anyways one of the awesome things that i find about you and just your family in general is that y'all have um gotten opportunities to travel and to see the world and i think that's like one of the things that you know that it, i i think like if if you had to splurge on something, I think that's what you splurge on, and I think that that is such an awesome thing to splurge on. So, yeah, what are what what are your thoughts on on just traveling with the fam, and like, what are some of the interesting parts about like your favorite parts about like traveling and all that stuff? I feel like, well, I haven't gone to I haven't the two continents that I've traveled most has been Europe and Asia, and so I don't have that much experience outside of those two places. But just from those two places, I feel like there's just, like, both of them have so much, like, rich Catholic history. But it's just so different because, of course, in Europe, like, Catholicism has been around for, like, thousands of years. And it was very entrenched in the culture. And, like, as I learned in my history class, like, because of certain reasons, basically, like, all the money at one point was going towards the churches. So they were mm -hmm. building all these, like, bougie cathedrals and stuff <laughs> like that. 
so there's all so all the like cathedrals in Europe it's like very they're very old very beautiful like all this stuff so of course that's like a great experience to go and see like wow this is a really beautiful place and that has so much history but also I mean in Asia Catholicism is a lot newer but I think it's interesting because in a lot of the places that I've been it's countries where like Catholicism is like very very like a low percentage of the population like not a lot of people are Catholic or not a lot of people are Christian but I think that that's like one of the most interesting places to go to because it, it'll be like very very small churches like but it definitely has the feel of like Acts of the Apostles, like when it was just the Apostles, like gathering together in their homes, like celebrate Mass. And I think that's a really unique feeling that you don't get a lot in Western countries because, like, you don't have that experience of, like, being just a very small group of Catholics in the country where you have to, like, gather together and you're just, like, it's just, like, very different from what the rest of your culture is doing. Yeah, I think it's really, really awesome to see like these different churches and how different that they are i remember talking to you about um uh, travel plans because i was i was saying i think it's really awesome that even during travel y'all still manage to like go to mass on sundays unless you're in china uh it's a a different story so yeah because i know we we talked about that as well but you know there's churches in japan and korea and indonesia and then of course in the european countries it's like much more easier but yeah, there's a there's I I agree that there's like this huge. I want to say, and sense of reverence when in these churches, like especially the Japanese church that I went to, was incredibly reverent. Like one of the most reverent places I've ever I've ever been in. They really really I I, I feel the spirit moving in all those individuals for sure during their mass. And then um, I think it was in Korea where I got my. I got a confession and God God bless um the pastor my goodness um he knew he knew English but man he was probably be like this American kid literally trying to make a confession doesn't know a single speck of Korean and I'm just like I'm so sorry but I do need to confess my sins Uh, I think it's I think it's so awesome that these churches have been built in you know in, in in like the countries of you know our cultural identity but i guess i guess i guess for me one of the questions that i've always been having especially since 1b has to do with the histories of the church and colonialism and i'm not sure if you if you don't want to talk about it yeah definitely we can not talk about this but i think it's just like where could we see the church and colonialism and try to like i don't know especially in the philippines especially mm-hmm. in indonesia as well south i mean since southeast asian countries there's been i feel like aspects of colonialism that has happened but at the same time the philippines is one of the most catholic countries ever right mm-hmm. i think that's beautiful same thing with um latin american countries latin american countries as well so i don't know what are your what are your thoughts about it um you might know about this more than i do but yeah yeah, I definitely, like, agree. It's a very difficult um, topic because, like, uh, we do, like, in Christianity, we do have, like, oh, evangelize. But obviously, like, colonialism is 
deeply a moral evil. So, and now today we have to kind of reckon with the fact that, okay, this, these atrocities have happened and how do we reckon with that? And I think what's interesting, an interesting example is like Our Lady of Guadalupe because it's like she appeared as an indigenous woman. Mm. So I kind of feel like in that example, it's kind of showing like in... There were, I can't remember which country it was, but for example, there was one country I studied in history that ended up revolting against uh, Christian colonial power, and they basically used the Bible as justification, saying, like, God is on the side of the oppressed, like, it's our, like, God is with us, not our oppressors. So I think it's very interesting, the fact that this message has been twisted by colonization and twisted into something completely different than what Jesus ever intended, but that even so, it can kind of like, it can be reclaimed as and used um, in a very different way. Yeah, no, I really like what you said about it being like reclaimed because the Catholic faith of the people in Asia, in these different Asian continents is so beautiful, right? I mean... Again, the the end always does not just the end does not justify the means for sure, and mm-hmm. I guess that's that's for me where I have a lot of trouble with, um, because but the way I think about it is that these are people and people are flawed. People will say that they act in goodness of the church. But in their own hearts, their own hearts is like damaged by original sin. It's a, it's damaged just by sin in general, right? And mm-hmm. so that's where they take that action to oppress an indig- an indigenous person uh, or na- a native of that land. And I think that that's um, that's definitely a moral evil. And before I continue, actually, I think um, for all the listeners of the podcast, would you like to explain what um colonial colonialism is and colonization um well obviously like i'm not an expert and uh my definition is totally like very basic but it's basically when another country takes over another country and sort of and takes over and puts their own leadership on the people and their own culture and traditions and forces them to adapt to their own cultural traditions instead of um, allowing them to have the sovereignty to practice their own traditions and culture and religious tradition. Yeah, I, I guess for, for an example, I would say like the country of Indonesia. and I am Indonesian-American, so I, I definitely love to um, talk about Indonesia but as much as I can. Um, it was colonized by the Portuguese at first, by Portugal. So, But then it was quickly colonized by the Netherlands, the Dutch. And so you can see in a lot of ways, we have a lot of different like loan words. So, I mean, one of the things is we have Kauskaki, which is socks, but that's very much like a very Dutch sounding name or like wortel. Um, it comes from like, it's carrot, but it comes from the Dutch word for carrot, which is wortel. So it's like very, very much like you see like the Dutch um, loanwords as well. And then they have like the farming systems, the, the Dutch farming system, culture of Stetson, something like that. I totally forgot. So forgive me if I get these facts wrong. Um, 
but and then it was colonized by Japan in um, ninety in, in like World War Two, and then it became free. So that's like an example of what it means. Um, what colonization is? There's been a lot of those diff- three different countries' influences in Indonesia, mm-hmm. and you can see the lasting effects of that. So yeah, I just wanted to clarify to anybody uh, listening to this pod on what that meant. Sorry, yeah. Uh, my country was also colonized by Japan. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Japan was... What, really what, something. Greater East Co-Prosperity Sphere. Greater, Greater East Asia Co-Prosperity Sphere, something like that, right? Yeah, there's a lot of... <laughs> when talking about um, Japan and Korea relations, that's a whole other pod. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's so complicated, even to this day. There's just so many different things to like talk about which we could probably talk after the spot about it if you're down but yeah it's um basically in all of history we all we've all knew this um people suck <laughs> people mm-hmm. like to belittle other people and try to subjugate them and do their do their will so for me it's just like you know all, all i hear in in like my history classes like the church does this the church does that the church although they have established education that in itself was bad um because it got rid of the culture in like pacific but for pacific islanders they got rid of tattoos they got rid of you know polygamy they got rid of the different native customs in terms of you know confer um converting them to catholicism so yeah i don't know it's a very complicated it's very complicated to think about it in a very catholic sense so yeah i don't know if you've ever had those thoughts when dealing with like history of indigenous people too yeah and i definitely think it's important to realize like we always think like the church did this or like the church thought this whereas there was like it was there was so many different opinions going on so many different people and for every while there were obviously people that were committing these atrocities and trying to justify them but using religion there were also catholics who were saying that this is wrong and obviously mm-hmm. against what god called us to do so i think it's important to realize like it wasn't a monolithic institution and there were always dissent there was dissenting opinions and people criticizing um what was what other people were doing within the church yeah I think it goes back to a lesson that I learned back in history on B. Let's see how of a complete circle this is. Um, they talked about, I don't know if they talked about it with you and with your TA talked about this in one of your discussion sections, but it's the abstraction of history where it's very easy to think of history as very linear. It's very easy to think that history repeats itself. It's very easy to blame everything on one person, but, or like one thing. Because it's so hard to keep up with all of these different thoughts, different complex thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. But you are absolutely so right that in a sense that we have to be cognizant of the many different people that encompasses all of history or like uh, all, all, all of that institution. It's kind of the same thing as like UCLA students, right? Mm-hmm. All UCLA students don't think the same. All UCLA students don't do the same things and they have differing opinions on how to tackle things for sure there may be a majority opinion there may be a majority thought 
but I don't think we can say that we can. We, there's ever going to be a statement that says all UCLA students think this and have it be true, right? It's just so that's that goes to show how comp how we try to simplify such a complex topic as history, in my opinion. Yeah, and kind of like going along with that, like even a lot of the stuff that we think of, like oh, as the church, like the church was actually used a lot by political powers because <laughs> they wanted. They kind of manipulated the church, or they, like, did their own thing. Like, um, one of the kings of Spain, Philip II, I think, said that religion is too important to be left to the priests. So, basically, it definitely was used by secular leaders, not out of religious intentions, but out of wanting to further their own power. And I think that's one of the hazards of when you have a society where the church and the state are intertwined, is they kind of are like, okay, I'm going to use the church for my own political benefit. And, yeah. It's definitely interesting to learn about the times where there were theocracies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As compared to now, there's, like, separation of church and state. So I've heard from both sides that a theocracy is good, while other sides say a theocracy is bad. What are your thoughts on theocracies? Um... I mean, everyone has a different opinion, but in my personal opinion, I think that it's not good for either institution. And when political um, interests and the interests of the church get intertwined, you get a lot of misuse of power and just twisting of what the church is about, which is, it is not like what belongs to Caesar belongs to Caesar, what belongs to God belongs to God. Like even Jesus says, two separate realms. And... So I think that, in my opinion, it's a bad idea because it just they're just two irreconcilably different realms. Like one is, of course, very earthly and one is very, it's spiritual. So I think that um, no good can come from mixing them. Dude, Ava, again, so much wisdom from Kateri, honestly. I think one of the, the last questions I wanted to touch upon is just as modern, as Catholics of today's world, there's we've seen the many attacks that the catholic church has um where do you see that you know and i know that there are many many things that people of the of the catholic church has done so i guess it's like as a his as a a historian where do you see the catholic church today and as a catholic where do you see the catholic church today you know what i mean yeah like it definitely thinking about like back in history like it definitely is like a lot different than it was a long time ago which is good i guess it's sort of it's a lot different from what it was in jesus's time because it was like a, such a small tight-knit community but obviously now it's all over the world which is a good thing but i think that um yeah I think that it's especially interesting today because we have technology and just so many ways like I feel like the church is even more connected than ever like even it's as the universal church so I think with that's really interesting and especially like Pope Francis now he comes from Argentina and Mm -hmm. he I think he's the first non-European Pope but I just see I just see it in a good direction as 
moving away from that Eurocentric idea of Catholicism and sort of like the the white Jesus, which is like my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> but we're moving away from blonde, blue-eyed Jesus and moving back into like more less Eurocentric, more about like being un- truly universal in of all cultures of the world. I mean, Catholicism means universal, so we have to uh, we have to make it so, right? <laughs> Yes, that's why I have a picture of Korean Jesus in my house. Yes. Amen, amen. I think there was an African Pope, was there not? Actually, yeah, I'm pretty sure there was. Anyway, first non-European... Oh, wait, no, Peter wasn't European. But the first <laughs> non-European Pope in a while. Because in the beginning, they were uh, they were obviously not European. They were Jewish. Yes, yes, yes. That is a good distinction. Yes, yes, yes. I... I totally forgot. <laughs> didn't realize this is why you are the history major and I am the minor for sure. Um, do you feel like the church gets attacked way too frequently by the secular and by people on both sides of the, of like the, of like Catholicism? Because you have definitely the progressive, super progressive Catholics versus the very traditional uh, Catholics as well. And so you have a lot of people attacking the church in, from what I see. And I don't know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Um, is it, should we defend the church? In my opinion, we should. But I'll, I'll, I'll explain that more to that later. But like, um, should we defend the church? And why do you feel like people are attacking the church? I do agree with you like we should defend the church and as the reasons why the church is being attacked i guess in some senses is because definitely like as we're supposed to do we're not supposed to conform to the world or um, conform to society so it's always going to be um sort of a slow change process or a slow process of change and i don't think that means like oh, the church is stuck in the past or something like that. Because I do think the church is, it's a listening to people and it is evolving where it, when it needs to, but it doesn't want to evolve too quickly and just like go completely off the rails of like what the church is supposed to be in the gospel. And I also think that there is definitely in terms of like, there's a lot of people that are versus traditional or progressive. And I mean, there are, of course, like teachings that the Catholic Church is founded upon that are like infallible. Like, and then there's also little t tradition, like things that are more flexible from church to church. And I think that that's a lot of people get more caught up in like the smaller things. And it ends up like dividing us instead of focusing on like these are the main tenets of our faith that we believe in. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of, like, defending it, I mean, I do think we should defend the church because if the if untrue things or inaccurate things are being said about the church, then, and we should always do it, like, in a gracious way, of course, but then that only brings um, misinformation about the church, and it just paints the church in a bad light, which is, un- if it's untrue, and I think then we should be educating people and saying like especially people who don't have much who don't have much background in Catholicism like this is why we do things this way 
if there is misinformation out there, but at the same time, like, like taking criticism is important too, and just listening to what other people have to say. And yeah, I think there's definitely a balance between defending, but also like listening when the church is being called out for stuff. Yeah. No, I think um, you've you summarized what I wanted to say really well. So yeah, that's that's good. That is good stuff. That is that is super good stuff. Um, I think I was thinking about this analogy, which you might find to be asinine, to be honest. But you know how in fan fictions, or at least the Harry Potter fan fictions I've read, you always have like the Harry Potter that tries to make, tries to change Hogwarts because Hogwarts is super like traditional, not going to like Muggles' ways and like curriculum and all that stuff. I, again, I've never read the book, which is one of the things that you d- dislike about me i have never read the Boo. books i've only read i've only read the fan fictions but i know but i essentially know what goes on in harry potter right so um like i'm ending this podcast right no, now. no kateri kateri please hear me out hear me out hear me out but in in some fan fictions it's like they're trying to change hogwarts and they did it in one year of school and i'm just like um that's so that's just a fantasy that can't happen mm-hmm. um, in the real world things can't change that fast in the real world there is a lot of listening there's a lot of dialogue there's a lot of just understanding empathy that needs to happen before there is real gradual change and I kind of would like to end this podcast on something that I think we're both um, a fan of um, and that is this is this is recording by the way on like august 30th and i think two days ago um we lost a really good person in this world chadwick boseman he was the a lot of people know him as t'challa black panther from the black panther movies of marvel but he was also um he he was first and foremost known to me as jackie robinson in 42 and then all the other works that he did as thurgood marshall as I think he was James Brown as well, and then mm-hmm. the Five Bloods, a lot of good stuff that he does, and I think just as he, as Chad, Chadwick Boseman as a person to me is a really really great Christian. He does he did so much work, and so like look like working with kids and then spreading that that thing about like empowering the black community empowering other people you know and i think it's really beautiful the works that he has done to this world and that goes to show like how we can be good christians and all the things that he has done he's empowered people especially his own community the black community to be to view themselves as superhero to view themselves as a loved person of god and so yeah that, that's my two cents on it i know i don't know if you'd wanted to talk about that I agree with everything you said, hundred percent. Yeah, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Um, and just wanted to say, Kateri, thank you so much for this wonderful, wonderful conversation. For your big, big brain knowledge, for everything and all, all, all the things that you are. You are incredible. You are amazing. You are fantastic. So, I appreciate you. Any last words for the listeners of our podcast? History is better than neuroscience. What the heck? I can't say anything with that. Because, okay. 
History majors have even bigger brains than neuroscience majors. That's it. We're ending the podcast now. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the UCC pod. Um, Kateri, thank you for being here, even though that you made that really, really um, controversial comment. We will end... <laughs> We will end like we always do in a closing prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessings that you've given us throughout our lives. We thank you for the gifts of conversation, of knowledge, of wisdom, and of fellowship that you have given to us at the UCC community. We ask that you bless us in all the days of our lives and bring peace to our homes and communities. Lord, I ask that you continue to help us grow in our knowledge and to cultivate a spirit of learning until we are received in your heavenly embrace. Help us to search for understanding and for truth. May we continue to be scholars in all aspects of our lives, and may we always perform actions that are in accordance with your will. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. The music used in this episode First Day of Spring by David Hillowitz, licensed under Creative Commons, and Storybook by Scott Holmes, licensed under Creative Commons. Our producer for this episode is Dylan Giannotti. Special thanks to our guest, Kateri Sun, and to the UCC podcast team, Chloe Alves, Dylan Giannotti, Joshua Herrick, and Isabella Richards. I couldn't have done this without you all. Thanks for listening.